This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Leonard Jacobson, the author of Journey Into Now, Clear Guidance on the Path of Spiritual Awakening. Mystic, author, and teacher, Leonard Jacobson is deeply committed to helping others break through to the joyous experience of living in the now. For almost 40 years, he has been sharing a direct path to awakening, which is infused with love, compassion, and truth. Leonard teaches how to become fundamentally present and awaken into the truth of who you are, the truth of life, the truth of love, and the truth of oneness. His teaching is about coming back to yourself in a full and complete way so that you no longer lose yourself in others or in your story. It's about coming into right relationship with every aspect of who you have become. Leonard is the founder of the Conscious Living Foundation, a registered nonprofit organization. In 2005, he was awarded the Peace Prize by Religious Science International, although he is not affiliated or associated with any religion or church. His teaching is both inclusive of and transcendent of all religions and spiritual traditions. It is for all those genuinely seeking to awaken and for all those who want to overcome the pain and limitations of the past and open into a more loving and abundant world. Leonard is the author of five books, Words from Silence, Journey into Now, Embracing the Present, Bridging Heaven and Earth, and In Search of the Light, a winner of the Indie Children's Book Award. Journey into Now has been translated into eight different languages. He lives in Wayzata, Minnesota, and offers regular teaching sessions, workshops, and longer residential retreats in the United States, Europe, Australia, and Asia. To learn more about Leonard and his work, please visit leonardjacobson.com. Here is the interview with Leonard Jacobson. In your own words, who is Leonard Jacobson? Well, Leonard Jacobson is a a very ordinary fellow who uh, was born and bred in Australia and uh, for a while there who uh, practiced as a barrister in the uh, courts of Melbourne, Australia, uh, complete with wig and gown. But I'm also someone who decided that wasn't his true calling. I just gave it up without knowing what would happen next. And I did at that point embark upon uh, a path of personal growth, which uh, after about two years led to my first awakening. So I'm someone that's had a series of spontaneous spiritual awakenings, which radically altered the course of my life. Yeah, it it sounds to me almost like a miracle for that to happen, uh, given that we are in this reality that's we can get easily attracted to what you call illusions. Before we talk about in depth about some of the topics in your book, Journey into Now, Clear Guidance on the Path of Spiritual Awakening, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. The first one had to be this one. How would you describe this present moment? 
Well, first of all, you cannot describe it with the mind. In order to describe it with the mind, you would have to leave the present moment. But uh, by the same token, when you're truly present, it is so, so noticeable. It's like, of course you notice it. When you're present, your mind is silent and you feel utterly present with what is here in the moment with you. And as you relax into the present moment, as you come out of the past and future world of the mind, as you deepen into presence, you start to experience life in a different way. You experience yourself in a different way. It's more, almost like everything changes almost instantly, how you perceive yourself and life. And it's extraordinarily wonderful to have such an experience, which really involves um, a tremendous sense of, of overwhelming love and a tremendous sense of perfection and oneness as the illusion of separation dissolves. So in a way, you can't really describe what presence is to someone who is trying to understand with the mind. The mind does not know what presence is. It will never know what presence is, but you can simply by becoming present in a way that takes you out of the past and future world of the mind into the world of now. Then you will know it from your own experience. I can describe what it feels like or what you will experience in presence, but that's not really a definition of presence. Uh, to define presence, I would have to go into my mind and speak to your mind, which would not be presence. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, so what does it feel like, Leonard? Well, you know, there are there are different levels of presence. I, I regard presence, the present moment, as existing on a vertical axis. In other words, you can become more and more deeply present on this vertical axis. And there's a point on this vertical axis. If you go more deeply present beyond this point, you're actually going to enter into the mystical dimensions of our existence. You're going to enter into the mystery. You're going to open into oneness. And at the deeper levels of presence, uh, you're going to start to sense and feel the presence of God in all things present. And at the very, very deepest level of presence, heaven on earth will be revealed to you. It will be revealed within your consciousness. So that's really on offer as we become present. And it's so vastly different than life at the level of the mind and ego. One of the, the feelings that or something that occurs when we are present is that time doesn't seem to exist. There's no rush anymore to get anywhere because there's nowhere to go. <laughs> yes, actually, I, I haven't completed, I didn't okay. complete my answer, I forgot. But um, absolutely, as you go past this point on the vertical axis of presence, time disappears. Now you're in the timeless dimension. Now you're in the eternal dimension, the dimension of oneness, the eternal, timeless. And it's so amazingly beautiful to experience that deep level of presence. You do feel overwhelmed with love. And the feelings that you experience as you become more and more present, I would say the most reliable feeling, the, the cons most consistent feeling is both silence and peace. In fact, it's really, uh, I, I regard it as what Jesus spoke of when he said, the peace that passeth understanding. In other words, once you go beyond the mind and its need to understand everything so that it can be in control of everything, now you're in another dimension and it really is the peace that passeth understanding. If you try to understand it, then you will disconnect from that level of peace and presence. So that's one of the primary qualities. Also, your mind is silent. You just feel you're surrounded by the silence. As your mind becomes silent, that enables a much deeper level of silence to open from the very center of your being. And that's a, a different level of silence again. It's like infinite, eternal silence, infinite, eternal peace. Another quality that opens up as you become more present is love. And it has absolutely nothing to do with who or what you love. You are literally, when you're present, you are literally the energy of love. And it's very much like when you light a candle and it gives off a glow of light. In presence, you literally give off a glow of love. It's not restricted to one person and denied another. It's just general. You love the trees. You love the flowers. You love a child. You love a dog. You see people walking along. You can't help it. You just feel love. Um, so that's one of the qualities. Another is acceptance. 
when you're truly present, there's such a sense of acceptance of what is in the moment, what is, the present moment as it is. And in presence, there's absolutely no judgment. It's not possible to judge yourself, to judge another, or even to judge some event in life. There's just no judgment. If judgment does arise, uh, it's not coming from presence. It's coming from the dream, from the mind, from the story, uh, which is everything other than presence. It makes so much sense to the mind, too, <laughs> when the mind is connected with that awareness, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and let me make it clear, I'm not against in any way the use of the mind. I'm certainly not against uh, the uh, thinking in any way, as long as those thoughts are conscious and intentional. Mm. Because most people are habituated to living within the world of the mind, the past and future, and uh, we are addicted to thinking. If I'm running a workshop, one of the first things I'll do if I'm running a retreat or a workshop, one of the first things I'll do is I'll, I'll ask everyone to close their eyes, be present, and no thoughts for 60 seconds. Well, I can almost promise you no one will ever get to 60 seconds because we are addicted to thinking and we can't stop. And there are, there are consequences of that. There are implications because every time you think, all thought is of the past or future. You cannot think about the present moment. You have to leave the present moment to think about it. So all thought is of the past and future. All thought will take you into the mind. Then if you believe too strongly in your thoughts, your opinions, your beliefs, you're going to get find yourself imprisoned within the world of the mind, disconnected from presence. And that is what has happened to humanity. Mm, disconnection, right, so true. So true. So one of the things that I noticed, too, uh, there's a level of simplicity. It seems to be so simple that for me, it almost turns into joy. What's the word? Uh, it's not really happiness, but it's the combination of peace and satisfaction for no reason, really. Absolutely. That, that's another quality that arises within presence. There's a natural recognition of the abundance that is of this moment. And that abundance just brings so much joy and happiness and, and a sense of fulfillment. Most people are looking for fulfillment in the future, and that's not going to happen. You can't be fulfilled in the future. You can only be fulfilled in this moment, because this is the only moment, this present moment, is the only moment really available to us. Everything else is a dream, and we're all lost in this dream of remembered past, imagined future, together with all, with all our concepts, ideas, and beliefs. And we're lost in that world. We're imprisoned within that world. And it's a world of illusion and separation. And you don't know that until you awaken out of that limited level of consciousness, which I call the mind, the story, the dream, all the same thing. Intuition and imagination, are they also a form of thought? Well, actually, that's a very good question. Both intuition and what was the other one? Intuition and imagination. Oh, yes. imagine. Well, certainly, certainly imagination is a form of thought. There's no question about that. But there's nothing wrong with it. It's also part of the creative flow that can arise with you, within you. So ideally, the creative flow is coming from presence, and somehow it goes through the mind and through that filter of imagination or that uh, tool of, of, of imagination that is your mind. And all sorts of things can manifest, but it's manifesting through the mind, through imagination, through creativity creativity and through intuition but it's it all of that does exist in in a sense within the mind but it's all flowing from presence and flowing through the mind in a in a form that is in a sense made possible through intuition and imagination and creativity the most important thing here is where is the source coming from in the context of imagination, creativity, and intuition? The only other thing I would say about that is that in as you become more and more deeply present and you really settle into presence, you really open, including the more mystical dimensions of presence, intuition and imagination are replaced by inner knowing. And you don't know how you know, you don't know what you know, but the knowing is always there, ready to arise whenever it's called upon. It's always quite astonishing to me. In all the years I've been teaching, which is nearly 40 years, 
I've never had a question presented to me that I can't respond uh, appropriately to, not because I know everything, I absolutely do not, but somehow that infinite font of knowing has awakened within me at the very center of my being, and I don't give myself credit for that. I give God all the credit for that. It's as if it just flows through from that source at the center of your being, which for me is God. Some people have a problem with that word, but I don't. But um, inner knowing, it's, it's quite extraordinary when that opens up within you. You can also speak from presence. Most people, that, a lot of people I encounter on, the, on this path of awakening, they might have very deep moments of presence. They might have awakening experiences. But then when they, when they go to speak, for some reason they think they have to go back into the mind to speak to others. And that's not true. You don't have to. You can speak directly from presence, but that does require a certain shift in, in within yourself. It's like the, sh the shift is from speaking from within the world of the mind to speaking from presence. And for a little while there, it can be a little messy because it's a new way of speaking. What is intuition exactly? Do you know what that is? Yes. I, 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 well, what I would say was is, when you're not fully awake, which is most people on the planet, I have no judgment or comment about that. I'm just saying there are many people on this planet who are not awake, but there's still those dimension of them, uh, there's dimensions of them which are much closer to the truth. But there's a cloud or a barrier preventing them from direct knowing. So intuition is what sort of filters through from that awakened dimension through to the unawakened dimension of who we are. But that intuition can be incredibly valuable. It can come in the form of a vision, a thought, a realization, even a dream. There's an intu there's a flow that comes from this deeper level of knowing, but we're not yet fully open to that deeper level of knowing. Uh, we're just not ready for it. So it comes through to us as intuition. It's based in knowing, but it's not always accurate. Often it is, but it doesn't mean it always is. Whereas, whereas knowing... Knowing that arises in presence, you can always depend on. Where is the mind, Leonard, and where is intuition? Would that be a localized or outside of the body? No, no, it's somewhere in the mind. I don't know. <laughs> Truthfully, I really could care less where it is. Um, you know, the only thing that interests me is, and, and I consider it a, a matter of great urgency at many levels, the only thing that I'm really interested in is the awakening of human consciousness. How can we awaken from the dream that we're all lost in, a dream of separation and illusion? How do we awaken from that? and come into the truth of life revealed through the present moment. You see, when we're in the mind, the dream, the story, all of that, with our intuition, with our memories, with our imagining, with our creativity, when we're in that, in that world of the mind, we're actually each living in our own separate worlds with our own history, our own past, our own opinions, our own experiences, our own thoughts and beliefs, etc., etc. We get along with those whose separate worlds kind of match our own. We're ready to declare war on those whose separate worlds are, are very different to our own separate worlds. Now, it can be very painful because living within the mind means at the very deepest level, you're living in a state of separation. Most of us are unconscious of it and unaware of it, but it's there and it drives so much of our behavior living in the world based on this fear, this pain of separation. It's too much. We don't want to feel it. So we develop all sorts of strategies to escape the feeling of separation within us. But that just disconnects us even more from truth. The more we try to escape the pain of separation, the further away we go from the truth. The great irony is the separation we've been running from all our lives is actually the doorway to oneness. All we have to do is relax, feel into it, and recognize, wow, it's just a feeling of emptiness, which is actually a feeling of fullness, but full of nothingness, full of silence, full of peace. But because it initially it feels empty, we don't like that and we run from it. We spend our whole lives running. So that's my only interest is can, how, how do we humans awaken from the dream we're all lost in uh, and believing in? And, and what I'm doing, what I'm sharing, what I'm saying right now is completely consistent with the teachings of Buddha and Jesus. That's as far as I'm concerned, that's all they were on about. 
how can we awaken into the truth of who, who we really are? Because in our unconsciousness, which means when we're lost in the mind without access to full presence, in our unconsciousness, we're actually extremely dangerous. We're dangerous to each other, we're dangerous to the world of animals, and we're certainly dangerous to the world of nature. And if we're not careful, we're probably going to render this planet uninhabit uninhabitable for humans. Yeah, I love your passion for peace in a way. I don't care if when you awaken, if, if what you have to go through when you to awaken is extreme uh, fear, anger, hurt, sadness, pain, and fear. I don't care. It, whatever it takes to come out of the dream, that's where we should go, as long as we know the way. See, what I share in my teaching is a very clear and simple way to navigate your way out of the mind in a way that not only leads to the deepest levels of awakened presence and oneness, but also leads to mastery of the mind and ego. And both of those steps, presence and mastery, are essential for true awakening. Now, most people don't want to do the second step. They'd rather just om and meditate and somehow become present, which is great. I have no problem with that. That's very useful. But we need more than that to really, really open into the truth of who we are and oneness with God. Um, we need more. We need to encounter ourselves at every level with an amazing level of honesty. Another saying of Jesus was, all that is hidden shall be revealed. That's what I'm talking about. Whatever is hidden in the darkness of your unconscious mind, uh, it all has to be revealed into the light of consciousness. For example, the limiting beliefs that were programmed into your mind when you were a child, the repressed feelings that you've been living with ever since you were a child and you've been accumulating those repressed feelings ever since, the, uh, the all the ways you lose yourself in others, looking for love, looking for acceptance, trying to prove you're good enough. Uh, the energy of judgment, you cannot awaken if you're still caught in the energy of judgment. So we, there's really quite a process that we have to go through to get to what I'm speaking of, which is a deep, deep and fundamental establishment in presence. It's a beautiful journey, it's fun, and it's exciting, but it's also challenging, and we really need to know the way, the way of awakening, and it needs to now be clearer than it's ever been before, because even with Buddha, how many people awaken with Buddha? Not many. How many people awaken through Jesus' teachings? I'd say very few. So what I say is don't be a Buddhist, be a Buddha. Don't be a Christian be a Christ. What does it mean to be a Christ? It just means you're so present that you've opened into oneness with God. That is Christ consciousness. You won't be Jesus Christ. You'll just be you as Christ consciousness, awakened into Christ consciousness, where you literally experience oneness with God. And I mean God in everything that is present. Now, you're not always going to experience it at such a deep and profound level. It's okay to be present in a very ordinary way as well, where it's not so blissful and amazing and full of oneness and joy and God. But at least in those ordinary moments of presence, you're not lost in a world of illusion, which is the real reason we should choose to be present, not because we want to be enlightened, not because we're looking for bliss, ecstasy or ecstasy. That's still the ego's involvement, looking for me, 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 what's in it for me. You just be present for no other reason than you know where the truth is. It is here in the present moment. The most beautiful thing we could ever declare from presence is God I am here now. I've been lost for so many lifetimes, but I'm here now, in the silence, in the presence. All that's what God's waiting for. God has waiting, been waiting forever for some of us to break free of the story, become fundamentally grounded in presence, and declare that I am here now. To be present is, in fact, the highest form of prayer. It's like standing before God and saying, I am here now, do with me as you will. God is waiting as if God was a, an entity or somehow a, a being somewhere. Are you speaking of a personal God? Okay, that's a very good question. First of all, I do not believe in God. To believe in God is an obstacle to knowing God, and I know that would upset billions of people <laughs> to hear that. 
I know that, but I don't care. So that's my first step. And to believe in God is an obstacle to knowing God. But once you know God, you know it from your own experience, there's no need for belief. You know. Now, is God personal or impersonal? The answer is God is both. But God is not someone you believe in or, or that's going to bring you a new car. God could care less about whether you have a new car or a new dress or, for that matter, whether you live or die. God doesn't care. All God wants of any of us is that we actually finally, after all these centuries, all these lifetimes, all God wants is that we finally awaken out of the dream and are truly here. Then what will happen is a whole new level of purpose will open up within us. Who we really are, what are we really doing here? How do we express ourselves in the most uh, authentic and the fullest way? Because that flows on from our awakening. To It doesn't just mean, it's not just about becoming present. It's about re-emerging into the world in presence, as presence, expressing yourself fully and authentically as the unique being that you are. Yeah, I love what you say in your book about embracing emotions and being responsible and attentive. That resonates true to me. Yes, you can't, you cannot awaken with with emotions from the past repressed within you. And the reason for that is there'll always be someone, almost on a daily basis, who will say or do something that will trigger those repressed emotions from the past. Then you're no longer present. You're projecting some past experience, probably from childhood. You're, that's projecting into the present, onto the present, and distorting your experience of the present moment. So it's actually very important to go through a process of liberating those emotions repressed within you from the past. I didn't say fix. I didn't say get rid of. I said liberate let them complete their journey through you and you will feel so free i love that yes. a, a very very important part of, of this teaching is to show people how to be in right relationship with their feelings so it becomes quite easy to liberate the repressed feelings also i teach people how to come into right relationship with the ego because nobody awakens until they come into right relationship with the ego. Also, right relationship with who you've become living in this dream state for lifetime after lifetime. Who have you become? Also, uh, right relationship with, uh, with the inner child. That's very important. Uh, people don't realize that the inner child, the child that they once were, is the foundation of their story when they're lost in the story, when they're living within the mind. It all originates with the child and all the limiting beliefs of the child. For example, I'm all alone. There's no one really here for me. I'm abandoned. Uh, I'm not loved. Uh, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I can't do it. Once these things get programmed into the mind when you're two or three years old or four years old, that will determine your entire experience of life. For example, if one of those limiting beliefs that was programmed as a child, in your mind as a child, um, was I'm not loved, you will be amazed at how you can attract people into your life who don't know how to love. Mm -hmm. If you feel, if there's a limiting belief you're a failure, somehow you pick that up from your parents, even if they didn't mean to give you that impression, as a child, you got that impression. You'll spend the rest of your life trying to prove you're good enough, but consistently failing. The reason for that is that the outer world, meaning the life that we're living, the outer world will manifest as a reflection of your inner world. So if your inner world is full of all these limiting beliefs, repressed feelings, the ego, the fear, the conflict, uh, worrying about the future, anxiety, judgment, if that's your inner world, what kind of outer world we man will manifest for you. On the other hand, if your inner world is the world of presence, love, truth, uh, compassion, acceptance, uh, power, oneness, if that's your inner world, you don't have to do anything, not a damn thing. The outer world will manifest as a reflection of that inner world. So we humans better start paying attention to which inner world we're living in. Am I caught in the world of my mind, the remembered past, the imagined future, uh, the world of belief, opinion, concept, or is my mind silent and I'm just here, present with what is here? I share such a simple key how people can come out of the mind and be instantly present. And I have no idea why this simple key hasn't been shared hundreds of years ago, because we don't need to meditate 
for lifetime after lifetime. In fact, meditators won't usually get to what they're seeking because there's a hidden agenda in their meditation. And the, it's the ego's hidden agenda. If I meditate, if I meditate for so long and in this way and in that way, then one day maybe I'll be enlightened or maybe one day I'll find peace or maybe one day I'll escape the pain. But it's all future orientated and it can't happen in the future. It can only happen now. Now is the doorway. But very few of us know how to find the doorway. I'm here to show people how, and and so are you. I'm not making this about me. Those of us teaching presence, are simply showing where the door is and how to get to that door. The rest is up to you. You can you can gently and and easily deepen into presence and slowly and gently arise in mastery of your mind and ego. It's such a great journey. One of the things that I noticed when I was becoming more quiet within. I wanted people around me to feel the same way. And I noticed that I was getting almost obsessed, going back to the mind and being obsessed with the experience of inner peace and trying to Valeria, pass that on. It was not possible. <laughs> that didn't Valeria, happen. I so, I so get what you were saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't share this teaching with anyone unless they approach me and I kind of ask or ask a question or they want to know. Otherwise, you just get yourself in all sorts of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> we're past, the, we're past the, uh, the concept of the saviour. In fact, everyone is their own saviour. And you save yourself by bringing your, your dream to full consciousness, all the ways you're caught in the dream, what holds you in the dream, and then bringing yourself present. In that way, you're your own saviour. You don't have to save anyone else. And I can promise you, Jesus is not coming to save anyone. Right. And this is one of the stages of confusing the experience of being with the experience of presence, might be feeling having this overwhelming peace within and then trying to get other people to experience right. that too. But it's a state of being. It's not an experience from my point of view. I love this stuff that I'm doing now, the podcast, because I ask all these questions that come to mind, although I think about them, they, they matter to me somehow. And I think it's a, also a way of to have fun, kind of become lighter, you know, with what's happening, this moment and not taking it too seriously. Yeah, I'm, I'm very non-serious. <laughs> um, we have a lot of fun with this teaching. We dance a lot. We laugh a lot. We have fun. It can't be serious. If it's serious, you have no chance of awakening. As far as I'm, I'm concerned, there's a balance, of course. At other times, yeah. it's very, very silent. Not serious, but very silent and prayerful. What is the opposite of life? Do you think there is such a thing as the opposite of this, this experience? Well, for me, the only, what I call life, is being present in the moment. That's it. You're not alive unless you're present. Mm. If you're lost in the mind, wow. in a way, you're in a kind of dead world. It's dead. Jesus used to actually, Jesus referred to those who could not respond to his teaching on presence. Uh, that's what he was really teaching. Those who couldn't respond, he referred to them as dead. And that's why the word resurrection got so caught up in, with his teaching, that for you to become present was kind of a, a resurrection into life, out of the dead world of the mind into life revealed through this moment. You see, I can sum up my entire teaching in one sentence, and it's very simple. That sentence is this. In truth, there is no life outside of this moment. That's it. And yet, in a very strange way, we're living everywhere other than in this moment. We're constantly in the past. We're constantly in the future with our memories, our plans, our anxieties, whatever we've got going uh, in the world of the mind. So, so it's so simple. When, if people can recognize that simple truth, they will awaken fairly quickly because it's very hard to take the dream seriously when you know that simple truth. Even if you can't live it, at least you know it. That's the first level there's one other thing I'd like to share with you, Valeria, which is uh, ties in what, what, with what you were saying before about trying to share it with other people, what, what you opened up into. It's very important. In fact, this is one of the keys. It's like one of the key steps along the path of awakening is when you become so present 
that you very easily and clearly know the distinction between when you're present and when you're in the mind. Because sometimes it can be very blurred. It can be a little bit close because the mind can creep in and think it's present or it can get involved in whatever's arising for you in presence. So I have a very simple test to distinguish when you're in the world of the mind and when you're present. And the test is this. In presence, your mind is silent and you are utterly present with what is here in the moment with you. You're nowhere else. If you can see it, hear it, feel it, taste it, touch it, smell it in this moment, you can be present with it. The moment you're truly present with something that is here in the moment with you, you must come out of the mind because mind is past future. Thoughts must stop without you trying to stop them because thoughts are always past future. But now you've shifted your focus. Now you're present, present with what is here in the moment with you. Now in this moment, even if it only lasts for two seconds, in these two seconds, or this moment of now, that seems like two seconds, in this moment of now, if you're truly present with what is here, you are an awakened being. I would go so far as to say You have always been a fully awakened being, just like Buddha, just like Jesus. You always will be, and you are in this moment. But that's the truth of who you are. But to the extent that we humans become absorbed into the world of the past and future world of the mind, we disconnect from the truth that is ever present within us. So awakening is more just a realization, wow, I'm lost in my mind. Let me relax and bring myself present. And then let me bring conscious awareness to all the ways I'm pulled out of the present moment and gradually, slowly arise in mastery of the mind and ego. It's so true. I love the way you said that earlier about there's no life outside of this moment. It's the truth. And I don't know how anybody can contradict that truth. It's a simple truth. But but nobody wants to hear that truth or wants to face the truth. <laughs> yeah. And when I say nobody, that's not true. Many don't want to and many do. Many are responding. There's a tremendous response these days to uh, the invitation into presence. When I first started teaching in 1981 or 82, probably 82, it was so hard to get people to be present. You have no idea what I used to have. You're very, you wouldn't want to meet me back in those days, trust me. But now I walk into a room with 200 people and within seconds everybody is present. It's just amazing to me. There's such an opening and a readiness for this. But just as equally, there's an opposition and resistance to presence. You know, it's like for every movement, there's an equal and opposite, a movement in the opposite direction. That's kind of what's happening now. More and more people are awakening in consciousness, but it's pushing the other side of that further into unconsciousness. And it's happening in our political world as well. It's very easy to see. When we stop conflict within, then conflict also stops out there. The beauty of presence is, When you're present, it's not like something you do, it's who you are. When you're present, you are love, you are acceptance, you are compassion, you are empowered from within, you are aware of oneness. Now, that when you when you then play in the world of time, when you participate in your day-to-day life, it, you don't have to think, oh, who will I be loving towards or I must be loving. It's who you are. It's your energy and people feel it, they sense it. It's your energy, it's who you are. You are the energy of love. It doesn't matter who or what you love. You are the energy of acceptance in the sense that there's no judgment, but you're also the energy of presence. And let me tell you one thing. What's missing in everyone's life is someone to be present with them. It's incredibly healing and powerful. We came into a world as very, very present little beings when we were born. And and after that, we're very present little beings. We're not thinking about things. We don't have beliefs. We come into the world as very present little beings, but we came into a world where no one is present. And that is the beginning of our story. That's the beginning of the formation of the limiting beliefs. There's no one here. I'm all alone. Where is everybody? Then we actually get absorbed into that world of not here. I call it the world of not here. From the world of here now to the world of not here. Well, then we get absorbed into that world because we're, we can't be, we're not strong enough to be the only ones who are, who are awake and present. We can't do that. So we have to join the the unconscious world hoping to find someone there. 
but we don't. We just get further and further lost. So true. You say something interesting because freedom is a word that we use a lot. And I often ask, what is freedom to you? What is to be free finally? And you said something interesting in your book. The price of freedom is to allow freedom. Yes. And I also oh, added very few are willing to pay the price. Right. Right. Yet talk to me about that, Leonard. I never heard anything like that. No, it's not a practice. No, you see, you've got to get past, and when I say you've got to, the invitation <laughs> is always to get past the world of the mind and the mind's understanding. As long as you stay in the mind trying to understand, you're not in the truth. As long as you're trying to define or explain from within the mind, you're not in the truth. And yet you can speak the truth from presence. So what is what is freedom? For me, freedom is so simple. It means you're present and you're not concerned with what others think. You're not concerned with judgment. You're not judging yourself. You're not judging others. You're not comparing. You're just, you just feel free to be yourself and to express yourself as the uniquely authentic being that you are. No one on planet Earth is like you. No one has your face or anything. No one is like you. You're unique. And so the question is, as you become present and you open into truth, you open into the truth of who you are, then how shall this unique being express in the world from presence? What beautiful gifts does she have to express? And it could be really simple. Maybe your gift is just the way you'd love to express the most authentic way is maybe simply by uh, being in the garden, enjoying the garden and, and be doing beautiful gardens. Maybe uh, you get completely fulfilled working in a supermarket. Why not? Right. I say to people that you can get enlightened in 20 minutes working in a supermarket if you're present as you stack the cans. Just stack the cans in presence. You wake up very quickly. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't compare yourself to anything. Just be yourself. Be fully present moment to moment. Be dare to be all that you are. And whatever you do, don't focus on success or failure. Focus on excellence. Expressing yourself in the most excellent way that you are capable of without focusing on outcome, without focusing on past or future. Just Wow, I'm just going to do the very, the, even the very best is not the right terminology. I'm just going to be most authentically who I am and express myself freely in this beautiful world that we live in, and that is, that is populated with unconscious, not so beautiful humans. So it's not a practice. It is being in a present moment, authentic, aware that we are here now. You're right. It doesn't feel like a practice. It feels like... Yeah, it's just being present. That's what it is. Right. If you're practicing anything, I would say, what are you practicing <laughs> and what are you hoping for as a result of this practice, which, of course, immediately brings the brings in the future. Even meditation practice is really unnecessary because the whole point of meditation is to bring you present. So if you're capable of becoming instantly present, why do you need to practice presence hoping to become present? <laughs> right. It doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. I agree. Yeah, that's one of the practices that I ended a long time ago for me. Actually, all even, kinds even of practices. Yoga, yeah, yeah. See, the value, the value, say, in Tai Chi, which could, can be a practice, or yoga, which are both beautiful practices, but the real value in it is that they're practices, they're not really practices because as you're doing the Tai Chi, you're, you're present in the movement. As you're sitting in your yoga pose, you're present. So why not call a spade a spade. It's not yoga, it's presence. It's not Tai Chi, it's presence in movement. It's presence in yoga. We need to, to bring the, the, the we need to bring the focus and the attention to the key element in all spiritual practices, which is presence. And I agree hundred percent. In your book you talk about presence and two step dance of awakening. This is beautiful. I love they use the word dance. Presence in mastery. The part mastery, that sounds like we are trying to achieve something, that word, when I see it. <laughs> we, no, we are. We are. The truth is we are. And uh, you see, with presence, there's no process, absolutely no process. The moment you remember presence, you notice you're in the mind, oh, I'm going to be present, then you're instantly present. There's no gap. If I asked you now to be present with uh, your body breathing, it's instant. You don't have to practice that. You just close your eyes and you're, you're aware of your body breathing. You're present with your body breathing. 
Or I could say, be present with something you see in this moment. There's no practice. You just, you're present the moment you see it. You're here. Now, of course, the mind will come in because it's habituated to thinking, and it's not long before you'll be pulled out of presence. So the reason we need to arise in master of the mind and ego is because we're so habituated to living in that illusory world of the mind and we're so addicted to thinking, we have to go through a process that we recognize what's going on. How is the ego pulling us out of presence? What happens when we judge ourselves or others? What are the limiting beliefs I've been lost with, caught with, you know, the living with at an unconscious level? What are these repressed feelings that have been playing havoc with my life as, I, as, as they continually are triggered in my day-to-day life? So in a way, the step two is preparing the personal dimension of you to come into alignment with the impersonal dimension of you. Then you have perfection. You have the personal expressing the impersonal, even in the world of time. Another way of putting that is at the deepest levels of presence, you're you're an individual expression of God. It doesn't mean you're God, but you're an expression of God because now you're in the same place as God. God exists only in the present moment. God does not, the only place that God does not exist is the world of the human thinking mind. That's where we all live. But God, God is not there. So what do we do to comfort ourselves? We create God in our image. We turn God into some big grandpa character that will protect us, save us, and look after us in our miserable world. Um, and that's completely the opposite of the truth. We've created God in our image, whereas the truth is we are actually created in the image of God. What does that mean? God is all-knowing. God is one. God is love. God is truth. God is wisdom. God is power. Uh, God is compassion. How about all of that? We're, that's who we really are, but not until we're present. Otherwise, we're disconnected from God. We've chosen to believe in God rather than know God. In a way, mastery, when you say that, it's actually this process of unlearning. It's, uh, it is a practice, but it's the reverse practice in a way. It's removing. <laughs> That's very, very true. It's bringing everything to consciousness within the dream so that you can gently and easily just slip out of the dream, like slipping out of an old overcoat that you've outgrown. Mm. And another question I have, it's when you say beliefs, we know that this is connected to thinking and thoughts and all, but how about values? Would that be also connected to? uh, I, I don't see how values come into presence in any way whatsoever. Values is something we value more or less within the world of the mind. There's always something better or something worse, something higher, something lower. You know, the irony is with presence, the more present you are, the more you've opened into presence, number one, the more humble you are because you're just totally overwhelmed by the beauty of everything beyond you. In fact, the more you awaken, the less it is about you. Really, that's the truth. The less it is about you. But uh, you know, you're just open to a different dimension of who you are. And uh, it transforms your life within the world of time. This is the great irony. When you become present, you have transcended your story. But as you transcend your story and you open into presence, you transform your story. So what happens is the more present you are, your story starts to get really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. No problems. It's kind of peaceful. You're not, not, life's no longer a struggle. You're not uh, comparing yourself with others. You're not judging. All the qualities of presence are alive in you. Now, here's the danger. The story gets so good that you forget all about presence. Then you're back to, then you're back in, you're caught in the mind. You're caught in the dream. It might take another three lifetimes to wake up. Oh, yeah. That's another thing that I wanted to ask you, lifetime. So is that a belief or is that a knowing? I don't know anything about lifetimes. First of all, when you say I don't know about any past lives or lifetimes, that is the most intelligent position you can take, 100%. If you haven't experienced it, then you simply say, I don't know, I haven't experienced it yet. The worst thing you can do is say, oh, I haven't experienced it, therefore it's not true. You simply say, I don't know. I don't know is a great state to be in because it's open, innocent and uh, available. So uh, do I believe in, in lifetime, past lifetimes? Absolutely not. I don't believe in anything. I'm a man without belief in anything, including God. But I can tell you that I have experienced 
past lives in myself and people that I work with at such a level that it is absolutely undeniable. For me, it doesn't mean I believe it. I'm just basing it on my experience with myself and with other people that I've worked very deeply with over many years. Uh, well, not I've worked very deeply with different people over many years. It's just undeniable, which means that we are so much more than we think we are, and our lives are so much more than we think our lives really are. We are actually souls on a journey. Before the journey began, we existed in oneness, oneness with God. Call it uh, we were in paradise or heaven. Beautiful, magnificent. All we knew was oneness and oneness with God. But at the beginning of the journey, the moment where the journey began, there was a movement from one into the two, which is a movement from oneness into duality, which immediately opens up uh, from present, the presence, it opens immediately into past and future. And the moment we opened into, it also is a duality from oneness into separation. We didn't like it. We judged the separation. And the moment you judge anything, you lock yourself into the separation. The whole point of the soul's journey is to dwell in the separation for long enough until it's the appropriate time for us to return to oneness, to oneness with God. And your life in this one lifetime is incredibly purposeful upon behalf of the soul in the context of its many lifetimes. You are the you are the, actually the champion of your soul, and the soul cannot be restored home, cannot be returned to oneness without you in physical form. You are the champion of the soul. You are the one that will deliver the soul. But most people don't know that, and most people are incapable of finding their way upon behalf of the soul, simply because they don't realize that that's what they're really here for. You're here to learn certain key lessons upon behalf of the soul. What is the true nature of love? Because we humans have got a very distorted view of love. What is the true nature of acceptance? Because we humans are so lost in judgment, rejection, and non-acceptance of life as it is or ourselves as we are. What is the true nature of power? Because we humans are so lost in false power, it's astonishing. It has imprisoned most of us into a cycle of abuse. One lifetime the abuser, next lifetime the abused. What is the true nature of compassion? And then, of course, it goes to a deeper level. In truth, who are you? What are you really doing here? Who are you? And, you know, that just that question can take you into the deepest levels of the mystery. Who are you? I can promise you, Valeria, you are an extraordinary mystery. Absolutely. Everything is. <laughs> I don't see anything that's not a mystery. Exactly. But that's what you experience as you become, as you open into presence and oneness and the mystery. You need to start identifying. My suggestion is that it would be helpful for you to start identifying and distinguishing what is actually presence when you're present and, and call it for what it is rather than giving it other names uh, from within the mind. Presence is presence. It's non-negotiable. Who is present? I am. That's the awakened you, the I am that you are. Wow, it's such a wonderful paradox too because at that level of presence, everything's just perfect and beautiful in a mystery like you call it and I say it too. But then when we go to the level of the mind and then there's always this, you know, the opposites and this mass in here. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't have to be like that. What, what happens is as you free yourself from believing in the dream, you can still play in the dream. You'll still continue. But the way you live your life will be different because now you have a new foundation called presence, which is love acceptance, compassion, power, truth, and oneness. That's the foundation of your life in the world of time as you awaken into presence. Now, before presence, with no presence, guess what the foundation of your life is? It's the child that you once were, the little girl that you once were, with all the painful memories, the all the limiting beliefs, all the repressed feelings, governed by the ego, trying to protect you the best way it can. It's a totally different experience. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> a totally different. So I would suggest that I would suggest people start recognizing what is presence and start calling it that. God is waiting for you to declare that you're present. I am here now, God. And God might say, who is here? I am. End of story, end of dream. 
The I am presence is the awakened you. It is that dimension of you that is of this moment and only of this moment. Now, at this deep level of presence that I'm describing, there's no participation in the world of time because there is no time. So what has to happen is that we master the art of flow, uninterrupted flow between presence, very deep presence, then light presence, play in the world of time, but without disconnecting from presence, and then at will back to that deepest level of presence as you choose. Then again, flowing into the world of time, going to work, going, hanging out with your friends, all of that. Enjoy fully, enjoy your life fully, but make sure the foundation of your life in the world of time is presence and not the child you once were. That's not fair to the child. And the only thing the child is actually looking for that it never ever received, the source of the child's pain is that no one has ever been present with the child. It's desperately looking for someone to be present, but it doesn't realize that. It's substituted presence for, okay, now I'm looking for love. Now I'm looking for acceptance. Now I'm looking, trying to prove myself that I'm good enough. Whereas the true and original need is, hey, I just need you to be present with me. If you're present with me, I get the whole package. I get the love, the acceptance, the compassion, the presence. I get it all. I even get the presence of God coming to me through you when you're present. So be present. Let's play. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy the world of time. But let's never again abandon presence. Yeah. What a wonderful promise and message. Thank you, Leonard. I'm wondering if this state of being have turned into none or very little suffering when it comes to losing people you love. Well, I lost my wife uh, on October 6, 2018. I had my own personal experience of loss. And of course, it's painful. Of course, you, you've, I've been, I was with her for 17 years. Of course, we lived together. We spent 24-7 together when I wasn't traveling anyway. Uh, we had a wonderful life together. And of course, I'm going to miss that. Of course, I'm going to feel sad. Of course, I'm going to wonder to myself, now what? How do I continue with my life without her? But you know the amazing thing? Presence helped me so much with that to get through it rather quickly and peacefully, just to wish her well on her journey, send her love. Her photos are still all over my condo. Her photo is uh, still on my phone. So, you know, but but I don't, I don't hold on to her. I don't feel any grief anymore. I did for a while there, but not too much, not too bad. I, I really do attribute that to being present. In fact, I remember one time when I was having a little bit of a harder time with it, I just said to myself, hand this over to the master meaning presence, and presence took care of it. You know, it's much easier to take care of things from presence because in presence, there's no judgment, there's no struggle. You just deal with situations as they arise. In presence, in fact, I, I say this in my groups, from this moment forward, if you really hear what I'm saying, you'll never have another problem. You'll only have opportunities for awakening. That's true. So would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book before I ask you my final questions? I am reading from Bridging Heaven on Earth, which is the third book that I've written. The first two were Words from Silence. The second was Embracing the Present. And this is the third, Bridging Heaven on Earth. And the title on this one page simply reads Heaven on Earth. There is a world that exists within the world we know. It has existed in its perfect state from the very beginning of time. It is an invisible world waiting eternally to be discovered. It is God's world, heaven on earth. It is a world of extraordinary beauty, a world of wonder and amazement, a magical world. It is a world which is timeless, eternal, perfect. It is a living world, that reaches out and relates to you every moment. The trees, the flowers, the birds, the animals, and even the insects are, are all experienced as loving friends sharing this perfect world with you. Everything is experienced as a living presence, a divine expression of God. This world I speak of is the body of God. It is not a world of the imagination. It is absolutely real. I know it from my own experience. I speak from my own authority. 
I can show you the way, but I cannot take you there. You must go alone. God's real is God's world is real. It is here now. It is hidden within the world you know. It is hidden within the world you live in, and the doorway is within you. In a sense, you are the doorway. How wonderful. How wonderful. Thank you, Leonard, for all that you do, your words, your spoken words, the written words, everything that you're trying to do. I love your passion and your compassion for the human condition. That's really wonderful. I have one question for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change or do anything differently? No, uh, I have to, well, I might choose to live in a different location. That would be the, one of the, probably the only change I'd make. But I do have two more books that I'm committed to writing before I leave this particular body. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my main commitment to myself or to God is to finish the two books. The next book will be... Um, entirely about the ego, because we need to really get it together about what is the ego, what is its role in our life, how does it function, why does it resist us being present, how does it pull us out of the present moment, and how can we overcome its resistance. When I speak of the ego, it's not the same ego that Jung or Freud or psychologists speak of. I'm speaking of the ego directly in the context of, of human awakening, the awakening of consciousness. And I can tell you that no one in the history of humanity, including Jesus and Buddha, have ever defeated the ego. It's not possible. Even the slightest thought that you'd like to get rid of the ego means the ego wins. The only way to get past the resistance of the ego is to come into right relationship with the ego. And the only way to come into right relationship with ego is from presence. That's it. Because when you're present, it means you can authentically and genuinely bring the energy of love, acceptance and compassion to your own ego. And then it will begin to relax. So true. I also love how generous you are. You're trying to do whatever it takes to get the message out there. So I really appreciate that. Beautiful. Well, I could say the same about you. I think I could say the same about you. So I have one more technical question. Where can we find more information about you, all of your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay, well, the first thing to do would be to visit leonardjacobson.com. And I think one of the most interesting or exciting things associated with this teaching is uh, that we've just created an incredibly wonderful app APP. Uh, it's called Awaken Now, and it's uh, an app totally uh, around my teaching. But it really does provide people with so much support and, and uh, material, both written, audio and uh, video, plus engagement in a conscious living community, which really supports you in your awakening. It's very inexpensive. And um, it, it, that would be, I think, the best way to get involved. Look at the Look at the website. Uh, subscribe to the app, but also there are so many websites, uh, so many videos on on the website that are free, uh, on U YouTube that are free. Uh, I try to give away as much as I can free. Of course, we, we're a non-profit organization, the Conscious Living Foundation, so we have to make some, generate some income. But um, of course, we do. We have salaries to pay. We have staff. You know, we're doing the best we can to reach as many people as we can, and it's quite challenging. That's never been my my skill, actually promoting the teaching. I, I'm not good at doing that myself, um, but I'm quite good at yes, talking about the teaching. Very good. <laughs> but not good at promoting it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so you need assistance, yeah. I leave that to people who, who work for the foundation and, and to good people, wonderful people like yourself yeah, to help us get you, the message Leonard. out. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Okay, wonderful. Thank <laughs> you. And, I've, and let me say one thing. With the questions that you've asked me indicate to me that you know exactly what I'm talking about from your own experience. So I thank you for that. And it's because of your questions, I do feel that this interview has flowed very smoothly. It doesn't always happen like that. It really depends as much on the person asking the questions or interviewing. You know, it's very important that you're in that you're in tune with each other, which I do feel we thank are. You. Thank so you. thank you. Yeah. Thank you again and um, bye for now. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening. To learn more about Leonard Jacobson, please visit his website, leonardjacobson.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.